0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. James chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. and, um, Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. She's ready. Let's go. James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fight come from among you? Do they not come from among your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have You murder and covenant cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures in other words, you, you don't get it because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask for selfishness, reason, for selfish reasons. Then verse 4 said, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God or an enemy with God? Wh- whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you think the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, verse seven, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I'm going to stop right there and um, and pick up in this particular text. Um Interesting text here that James has written and one of have you ever just sometimes read through things and and read a particular passage of scripture that just kind of messed you up and and just kind of you know it's like what in the world? And in this particular passage of scripture, that's what verse five does not for me when I read it, and just the context in which it's written. Notice it said, or do you think the scripture says in vain? The Spirit, notice that's a capital S, which often represents the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, yearns jealously. Now, what messed me up, because I read it first in the King James Version, and it says this in King James. Listen to these words. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy? Wait a minute. That's kind of rough, and I'm going to teach a little bit this morning. but But notice... Those, those wording with, with the Holy Spirit, lust and envy, Holy Spirit. Seems that there's a contradiction in the, the, the gathering or the ordering of those words because Holy Spirit, lust and envy. Seems that they shouldn't belong in the, in the same category. But I want to just dig into that lust and envy. And notice that the New King James said, yearns jealously. Because that word lust there or lusteth, as King James would say, lusteth, lusteth with the T-H on the end, is what King James says. But oftentimes when we hear that word, our minds automatically go to a negative connotation. But because in the the definition, if you look it up, it means an intense desire, a craving, a longing for something, a deep passion for something, And, and true that in a negative sense, According to the scripture in the Bible, lust can be something that is negative. It could be a, a, a longing or a passion for things that are of sin or evil things that will destroy or tear apart our lives. But at the same time, the very content of the word itself just means an intense desire, longing for something and a craving. If you look back through the text here beginning at verse 1, you'll see if you read it in context that there were different types of desires. Notice in verse 1, the desires that come, uh, uh, the the desires for pleasure that war in your members. James speaks of several desires. All desires aren't bad desires. There are some good desires. But he speaks here about the desires that that our flesh has or our carnal nature, nature. It talks about the worldly desires in this particular text. And it also so The Bible talks about if you look down the enemy he has desires. Do you know that Satan has desires? He has a desire to steal kill and destroy our lives. Matter of fact Jesus said Peter Satan has desired to sift you as wheat but I prayed for you that your faith fell not but then there's good desires. The Bible said this, that delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The Bible said whatsoever you you desire when you pray, ask the Lord and you shall give it. So all desires aren't bad desires, they're actually good desires. And why am I saying this? Because when you look at that term and you substitute the word lust for the word desire, you grasp a whole what the Holy Spirit is saying, especially in context. Is speaking about a strong desire that the Holy Spirit has for your life and my life. He said he desires or yearns jealously. Why? Because when you read it in context, he's saying that when it talks about worldliness, it talks about the carnal nature. It talks about the desire of the enemy. He's saying that all these things desire to distract you, desire to get you off track, desire to steal, kill, and destroy you. And then he looks at it. He said, the thing that bothers me, it messes with me when I see my people being pulled away by these different, Things in life, but it's my desire. I have a desire that's greater than all those desires to help you to be everything that God has called you to be and accomplish in this lifetime. You see, you have to understand that's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm going to teach a little bit. I call I'm calling it divine desire. There's a divine desire for your life. If you look it up in the in the original translation in this particular text, it is a picture that is painted, and, and it's, it's a negative picture, but get the principle behind it. It's one of an addict, of an alcoholic or drug addict, one who is who is who is who is in a place where they're searching for a fix, they're looking for a fix, they're bent over with pains and aches, and I, I really need it, I really long for it. I'm really that is the picture. It's a negative picture. But what is it expressing that this is how how the Holy Spirit looks at your life this is how the Holy Spirit looks at my life he's looking at us all the time I, I desire to feel you I desire to touch you I desire to lead you I desire to guide you he has to understand there's a divine lover inside of us that is fueled with a passion from God and says I have to fulfill the responsibility of the father in your life I desire God's best for you I I desire that you would be best. I desire that your family would flourish. I desire that you would walk in all that God has for you. A divine desire. Understand that the Holy Spirit desires you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. He desires your family to be strong and stable more than you do. He has an intense longing to ensure that you be everything that God has called you to be. I wish I had understood this a long time ago. I was brought up in an atmosphere or in the season of my life in an environment that, that, that when it came to the Holy Spirit, I only referred to the, uh, the thought of the Holy Spirit as an it or a thing or or a power. But to really be honest, uh, there was more emphasis on just the, the speaking in tongues of holy of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not minimizing that by any means. It's the greatest thing to be baptized and have a heavenly language. But the problem was that was the only emphasis that I had was speaking tongue. tongues. Get filled, speak in tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues. And so I had this limited perspective of the Holy Spirit and the way I felt like if I could explain it was I was given a a, a loaded gun of all things, a loaded gun full of bullets and ammunition had the potential to do so much. But no one showed me how to aim it. No one showed me how to shoot it. No one showed me how to properly use it. So therefore, I had this, this gun, this wealth of power and authority and possibility and potential, but had no idea on how to use it. One of the misconceptions oftentimes still today in the church is we refer to the Holy Spirit as a it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a thing. He is not a that. But he is a person. He's a person. He's part coexistent, co eternal with, with God the Father and the whole Godhead. I wrote some things down. When you understand, the Father is God for us, the Son is God with us, the Holy Spirit is God in us. We see his work from the beginning, the Bible teaches us. The, I looked it up and I did a little word search, but the Holy Spirit is mentioned 261 times in the New Testament. Jesus would always use personal pronouns when he spoke of the Holy Spirit. And he never refers to him as a it, but he always referred to him as a he. But what constitute personality? I wrote down one of the three things that constitute is mind, will, and emotions or response and what James gives us here is the mind the will, and the emotion or shall I say the desire of the Holy Spirit can I teach you some things this morning about divine desires I want you to take notes I'm not running around this morning on any of that hopefully not but what I want you to understand if you're taking notes number one of the desires of the Holy Spirit is that he wants to invade our lives Think about warfare. Think about battle. When an army goes in to invade an opponent or an enemy, the whole goal is to go into that territory and conquer everything that is there that in that 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 army is not going in to make friends so to speak he's not going in to just partially take over but the whole goal of an invasion is to occupy everything take control of everything the Holy Spirit desires to invade our lives he wants every aspect of our being he wants every inch of our personality even Paul wrote in second Corinthians he said when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ remember now that you are not your own you don't belong to yourself you've been bought with a price and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit he wants every part of us he don't want any closets that are closed up with secrets he don't want any areas that are being restrained and held back but he says I desire to have every part of you every inch of your life what I wrote down I wrote this thought down that when you give full place to the holy spirit you give no place to the devil if you would give him full place you don't create space for the enemy the bible says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh the bible says he wants to he desires to fulfill and invade every inch of our life the holy spirit's desires that we would not live here it is in the limitations of our own strength intelligence and ability oh god do we need this i need this so many times if we're not careful especially if you you you, especially if you if you're a professional especially if you're good at something especially if you're great it's so easy to slide over and begin to operate in your own strength and operate in your own ability and operate in your own intelligence but understand the holy spirit says on your best day with all of your education on your best day with all of your gifting and all of your talent, you are still operating in a level that is beneath what I can do in your life. Man, if you could succeed on, on, on physical, on a physical level of certain amount of success, imagine what could happen if you would yield yourself totally to the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible said it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He wants to breathe on that gift and breathe on that ability and touch that talent and take it to places that you've never thought, dreamed, or imagined that you could go. He desires for us not to live in a diminished level of the anointing and live below the limitations of our own physical ability. It says this, the Bible says this, the Holy Spirit's desire is to help us in every area of our life. That word helper is also the word comforter. It's the word paraclete, the one that comes along beside us. I see this picture all the time. The Holy Spirit, I want you to know if you're born again and he's in your life, the Holy Spirit, he comes alongside of you. He's your partner at all times. But think about it. How often do we go throughout life daily? How many meetings do we go in? How many situations are we faced in? How many circumstances and decisions that are for us that we have divine help but never acknowledge it? We're scratching our head. We're working our hands, staying up at night late at night, toiling back up. What am I going to do? 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 do? How can I do this? How? That's the problem. You're saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you know what? Divine desire is laying in the bed beside you saying, will you ask me? Will you acknowledge me? Will you let me? Well, just ask me, please ask me, don't go to sleep uh, in, in in turmoil. Don't go to sleep with your chest all tight and anxiety. Will you just look over and ask me? I will help you. I will show you. I will lead you. How many times we've walked into meetings of businessmen and and, 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 and you didn't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. How many times that we've gone in gone in to do different things and, and, and it hits us all, whether in ministry, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. Dealing with situations, even in your marriage, dealing with your children. Sometimes it's just as simple as looking over the shoulder and say, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, help me in this. You don't have to give a dissertation. You don't have to make an appointment. See, what, that word comforter is also, watch this translate, counselor, advocate, standby, by helper and strengthener see i believe in counseling i believe in all of that but sometimes let me just say this maybe oh god maybe we don't have to go through all that if we just take the moment and ask him because the last time i checked he's the wonderful counselor because even after you get all of your counseling and all you you're still gonna come have to come right back to the altar and say god now i need the power to do what they told me i need to do just cheap teaching. The apostle Paul demonstrates this is so good in, in Romans chapter 7. You see the apostle Paul, he's having this struggle. Notice, notice it 25 times. Just like I said, ah, ah, ah. Every time I try to do right, I can't do right. Every time I go to say the right thing, I cannot do it. He's got this inner battle going on. But even the apostle Paul is saying, I, ah, 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 ah. 25 times in Romans chapter 7. But that's why I love the word of God. That's why you got to read it, you know, in context, because you notice a transition from seven to chapter eight. He goes, watch this from I, I and then Romans chapter eight. The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. He learned to rely. All of this where I was dealing with myself. Next chapter over, he says, now this is how I got victory over everything. And 25 times he said, I, in chapter 7, 20 times in Romans 8, he said, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. He wants to invade our lives. Number two, the Holy Spirit wants to envelop us. What do you mean by that? I got a little illustration and I, I was going to cover it up. But a simple thought and an envelop us. Basic concept of an envelope. Think about a contents. It has contents in here. I did, actually, there's something in here. But when you think about an envelope, envelop us. An envelope it is, is designed to do several things. Number one, it holds its contents. It covers it con- its contents and protect it. And the goal of this envelope to it is to ensure that it gets to his destination. Yeah. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, it says this him. You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Watch this and whom also believe you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What he's saying is the sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that's how we use. But during New Testament times, that what would happen was when they sent a package, maybe look like this, maybe not, maybe not as neat. But what they would do is they would have a package, but then they would take hot wax and they would seal the, 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 the opening of the package with that hot wax. And once the hot wax, then the sender would take their signet, or insignia, and press into that hot wax. Now, why would they do that? Now, understand that when this thing—I want to say this—and I'm preaching, I want to—when it got to the to the post office, they would look at that package, and when they saw that wax, uh-oh, and they saw that seal, they said, "Okay, number one, whoever sent this is very rich and very wealthy." Number two, if they saw that seal, it means that everything inside this package has been examined, has been thoroughly looked through. It is complete. It is impeccable. It is all intact. And also when they would see it, they said, "Okay, if it's got a seal, it's got an insignia on it. What we have to do is do everything within our possible ability to make sure that this thing is not damaged in any form or fashion and that it gets to where the sender is sending it to. Now I'll preach a little bit. Understand when it said that the Holy Spirit is our seal. When Jesus we got born again and we were made new in Christ. What that means is when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us, we are made new. And in our newness in Christ, nothing is missing. Nothing is lacking. Nothing is broken. He has looked over our 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 lives and he says, I approve them. I anoint them. I call them. I see the blood on their life. They are impeccable. And I got to stop right there because some of you need to quit calling yourself damaged goods because of what you went through. You need to quit looking at yourself saying what you can't and what you cannot be because of you went through, but if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new, and also when the seal is on there, the Holy Spirit's desire and job is to ensure that the contents that is carrying will be protected. It's to ensure that you get to the destiny that God has called you to to fulfill on your life, so when hell sees this special package, when demons look at this special package, they know we can try all we want to. We may can delay the mail, but we can't stop the delivery because that is a package that is sealed by the spirit of God. And it is a guarantee that it will get where it's called to get. He wants to envelop us. Number three, he wants to instruct us. John 14, 26 says, but the fourteen twenty six says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, listen to this, and bring things to your remembrance. Teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance. Teach you. Here's what's key in teaching. The word disciple is also translated student. In other words, as believers, as as the body of Christ, as as Christ followers, As disciples, we must always maintain a student mentality. In other words, we should always be learning. A wise man will increase in learning. A wise man. In other words, I don't care. I don't care how how much I teach and preach. I will die being a student of this word. I will die sitting under the counsel and the teaching and the tutorship of the Holy Spirit. We have to have that spirit of being a, a mindset of being able to be taught. He teaches us through the word of God. He teaches us through the word of God. That's why you have to get into the word of God. The Holy Spirit is even the author. The Bible said men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This scripture was God breathed or God inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's the very author. And if anybody can teach you about the word, he can teach you about the word. But he can't teach you, watch this, if you don't get in it. Notice what he said. He will teach you and bring all things to remembrance. The problem is, if there's nothing in you, he can't bring anything to remembrance. In order for him to bring it back to mind, you have to first put it in. Have, see, that's why you never, you, you never, have you had those days where you were reading? I know I have. I've read like 10 chapters and sit there and say, what did I just read? Especially you get over there in the Old Testament, you know, in the, in the minor prof, prophets that probably are talking about major things, but you just don't quite understand everything but then a week later you're having a conversation at the coffee shop and all of a sudden you're just talking about the lord and share and then boom that passage from zephaniah that you read two weeks ago blows up and you know why the holy spirit brings all things to remembrance and not just scriptural things He brings thoughts back to your remembrance. He brings people back to your remembrance. He brings situations back to your remembrance. Because I forget all kinds of stuff all the time. But that's what I love about the Holy Spirit. It's not always scriptural things. He's concerned about your everyday life. And even reminds you, call that person. Text that person. Go visit that person. Anybody here, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Teaches us. Through information, the word of God teaches us through revelation. Come on, there's information and then there's revelation. First Samuel 321 said, then the Lord appeared in Shiloh and it says for the Lord, watch this, revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Notice that he revealed himself by the word of. That word uh, reveal or revelation means to uncover or expose or 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 to bring forth. In other words, it's it's not it's not normally proceed, but it's like God removes the cover. It's like I just took this black cover off this table. You knew something was there. You could tell something, but until the cover was removed. Now, see what you saw, oh God, you saw pretty much abstract, but when the cover was moved, you saw detail. Because see, that's what happens in the word of God. Logos is just the black ink on white pages. But Rhema is when God starts showing you stuff between each letter on the page. My God, I didn't see that. Where did anybody know what I'm talking about? He gives you revelation. He reveals and uncovers himself. There's things about God that he wants to show you and reveal to you. And what the Lord dealt with me about, we have to get back. Listen, it's all about gleaning from people and learning from people. You should always do that. Don't ever stop doing that. But the great beauty of New Testament Christian is I can go to God for myself. There's some things that he want to tell you firsthand. He wants you to sit at the feet of his... Uh, His counsel and begin to pour in you revelation for your life, revelation for your family, revelation for your call, revelation for your dream, personal revelation. The scripture says, watch this. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and yet has it entered into the hearts the things that God has prepared for us. We always stop there. It goes on. But God has revealed them to us, revelated them to us by his spirit. And what the Lord laid on my heart, listen to this, eyes have not ever seen. God wants to give you some revelation that no eyes have seen yet God wants to give you some revelation that nobody's heard about yet God wants to give you a revelation that nobody has seen it hasn't happened or transpired let me tell you the Holy Spirit desires to give you supernatural strategies supernatural ideas come on witty inventions this is what I'm talking about this is a side of him we must tap into we don't always have to repeat what everybody else has done we don't always have to do what everybody else has done There's new songs that are going to be written. There's new sermons that are going to be preached. New ministries that are going to be started. There's business people that God can give you one idea that will revolutionize everything. He can give you one thought and one strategy that can change the whole. Come on, the whole geography of your family and your entire life. Personal revelation. The greatest revelation Though that the Holy Spirit gives is that of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love this because this is the thing about the Holy Spirit. John 15 said, when the helper comes, whom shall I send you? The father, the spirit of truth who proceed. Watch this. He will testify of me out of all the revelation, the Holy Spirit, the ultimate revelation is bringing a revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, he comes to testify of him. He doesn't come speaking on his own. Everything the Holy Spirit do will ultimately bring you back to Jesus, point you back to the cross, point you back to the blood, point you back to grace, point you back to the Son of God. He comes to testify that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the hope that everyone is longing for and looking for. I read this article not too long ago, and it, and it, and it uh, it just blessed me. 90% they have found of Muslims that come or converted to Christianity or come to Christ is a result of they've seen a vision of Jesus. 90% which tells me that's why we can't always go intellectualism. Our program, our strategies, our deals. When it's all said and done, the Holy Spirit has to give an individual a revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible said, "No man comes into the Father unless I draw him by my." spirit and I'm praying that God do it in free chapel every time we come together in every gathering every group every small group every ministry every song that is saying every sermon that is preached every lesson that is taught Holy Spirit bring a revelation of Jesus Christ then our lives will be changed and transformed you'll never experience transformation without first revelation I'm going to move. I got to move. He wants to not only teach you, but he wants to impress you. What I mean by that is to guide you and lead you. The Bible says in John 16 that he would the spirit of truth. Watch this will lead you and guide you in all truth. Notice if the Holy Spirit comes to guide you in truth. It also means that you can be led in lies. I'm going to say that again. If I could be guided in all truth, it means also that I could be led in lies. So as the spirit of truth, he comes to guard us and guide us according to truth and guard us from the lies and the deceptions that oftentimes we're faced with in this life. We have the deception of Satan. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this world have blinded the minds of the unbelievers, which means they have been deceived. The Bible talks about even even there'll be spiritual deception in Matthew chapter 24. It says that that you go back and read it and look how many times the word deceive, 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 deceive. In the last days, false prophets will come up. This is what got me. False prophets, false teachers. And watch this. And it is possible that the very elect will be deceived. In other words, the Holy Spirit desires to give me discernment which is spiritual reality of a situation or a person that cannot be perceived with natural eyes but has to be known by the spirit that is within me because my grandmother used to say everything that shines is not always gold i mean she can look like halle berry but really it's the bride of chucky i'm just saying And I don't care if she can quote scripture and I don't care if she can sing good. And I don't care if she carries a big Bible and got high heels and four degrees from seminary. But the thing is, you better have a spiritual reality of what you're dealing with. And we're living in a time where everybody's a Christian, everybody's spirit. And here's the thing with saints. I'm just teaching. Here's the things with saints. The enemy knows for saints, he's got to spiritualize it. Just enough spiritual twists to get you. I got to make it spiritual. I got to pay because they see you got somebody that's pretty sold out. They're not going to fall into drugs and alcohol. But, but, but boy, they end up saying, but if I can just get a little spiritual twist in there, I'm going to make it just enough spiritual that, that, that I can bait them and pull them away. Get them in left field way out there thinking crazy, listening crazy. No, 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 no. You have to pull yourself in and say, Holy Spirit. You know what that is? He guards us even from our own self-deception. And one of the greatest ways, I'm just teaching, that we can be self-deceived is by your feelings and your emotions. Led by my feelings, led by my emotions. And then here's how we spiritualize it. Well, I'm just going to go with what's in my heart. But really what we're saying, I'm just going to do what I want to do. You know, God knows my heart. Well, can I give you some scripture? Jeremiah 17, nine says this. The heart is deceitful above all things. Sometimes your little heart is off because if there's bitterness in your heart, resentment in your heart, anger in your heart, hurt in your heart, then your filter is tainted. So I can't even depend on that. Oh God, you don't want to hear teaching this morning. That's what happened. Watch this. To Isaac. He went on a feeling and he neglected the voice. When he came to bless his son, little Jacob came in there with hair like his brother Esau covered on his arm and his mama helped him do it. Whole family was tricking. But anyway, (laughs) Isaac said, listen to what he said. He said, you feel like Esau. No, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. But the Bible said because he went on what he felt, he blessed him. So he neglected the voice at the expense of the feeling. And how many of us are making decisions and choices out of our feeling? It feels good. It feel, it feel, it feel. I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit desires to speak you. Don't let the feelings override the voice. Don't let the feelings override him prompting you, him convicting you, him stirring your heart. Mary at the tomb (laughs) Mary at the tomb she came in she had a breakdown she was like where is Jesus oh my God I was here the day they crucified him I came but now it's rolled away who took his body she turned around there was one that stood that looked like a gardener and then she was like have you seen him they took my Jesus they took my Lord I don't know what we're gonna do she's freaking out because she's looking at her circumstance her feelings have got her all over the place and the Bible said she did not even know that it was Jesus sitting there standing there but watch this and the Bible said, Jesus said, Mary, watch this. And when she heard the voice, she turned around and said, Rabboni, that's my master. What am I trying to tell you? Sometimes things are going to look crazy. Sometimes it look like stuff is dead and gone. Your emotions and feelings are going to be all over the place, even to the point where it can skew your natural view. But if you will say, Lord, I don't care about circumstances, what's God. I choose to wait upon the Lord. I choose to stand still until I hear your voice speak. Don't let me get deceived by my own feelings and emotions. Last but not least, and I'm wrapping up. The Holy Spirit desires to indwell us. Or fill us. Acts 1-8 says, I will give you power. I will be be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I will give you power to become witnesses unto me. I got these gloves up here, the best way I could think of demonstrating that. Because you see this glove? A lot of potential, made for a purpose, created to do certain things. But how many know as long as that glove lays there? The power or the success and its ability to be effective in life is all determined if it's indwelt by a hand. But long as there is no indwelling of a hand, it's there. Potential is there. Purpose is there. Destiny is there. Call is there. You've been called to carry out a certain task. Different gloves for different Degrees or different opportunities or different businesses or different visions or different missions or different calls or different but 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 they're just gloves because this glove was made listen to what I'm about to say even when it was thought of before that ever was created its design was made with the intention of of being indwelt so it could ultimately do what it was created to do you see adam when god formed him from the dust of the ground he was just a glove he had a form he had a makeup but it was only until god into his nostrils The breath of life. And he became a living soul. And then he was able to go out and till the garden and work in the garden. In other words, then he was able to go out and impact the earth. But until he was indwelt, he just had a form. What God is saying is, we're the gloves. The Holy Spirit is the hand that desires to indwell every one of us. Because he's looking for gloves to reach out and touch a dying and hurting world. He's looking for gloves on college campuses. He's looking for gloves in the music industry. He's looking for gloves in the business world. and and He's looking for gloves in elementary and high schools and in neighborhoods and communities. He's looking for gloves uh, in in small groups. And he's looking for gloves uh, in serving and volunteering. He's looking for opportunity. Because see, the way his hand gets involved is when we get involved and allow his spirit to get in us. We are His hands that reach out and touch. He fills us so we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He fills us so we can touch people with the love of Jesus Christ. And in this room, there's all types of gloves that are represented. And understand whatever your occupation is, whatever your sphere of influence is, it's not just about you making money and having a position. It's about you being a glove for the Holy Spirit in that environment and being used and empowered to be a witness for the kingdom of God. He desires to indwell us. And so today, my heart, I've just been stirred that we have to take advantage of what the Holy Spirit desires to do in our life. There's so much more and there's nobody any anywhere I can exalt the Scriptures. But my question to you, how have you responded to His desires? Are you maximizing? Are you taking advantage of every opportunity for devotion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Have you just limited him to just an it or a phenomenon or just a a warm, fuzzy feeling in a service, but not realizing that he's the paraclete. He's with you on the 405. He's with you at work. He's with you in your home. He's with you on your college campus. He's with you on your job. He's with you every day. And all he's saying that I desire more of you. I desire to help you in so many ways. If you'll acknowledge me. He said, because my job is to take what is his, Christ, and give unto you. That you can be everything that I've called you to be in this life. Stand to your feet this morning. Just throw up your hands for a moment. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.